Well, if you got your Bibles, and I hope you do, turn to the Gospel of Mark chapter 8. The Gospel of Mark chapter 8. We're going to spend two more weeks. I'm going to add on one more week to our series entitled Confessions. And I want us to look at straight to the Gospel of Mark for its reality. And it's this, that the Gospel of Mark is about Jesus. Say that with me. One, two, three. The Gospel of Mark is about Jesus. Now act like nobody is standing around and you're looking at me and now we're about to engage with each other. One, two, three. The Gospel is about Jesus. All right, That's the truth. The Gospel is about Jesus. And as we look at this, there's really four things we want to look at in these next remaining weeks. Number one, first off, we look at the confession of what we what? See, right? Because everybody was here listening. Number two, last week we looked at the confession of what we say. Everybody say say. Everybody say say again. All right, all right. And then today we're going to look at the confession of what we know. I want you to be very clear. There's a lot of things we know. But here's a very important thing for us. I pray that the theology and the doctrine we give every Sunday in every Ohana group Right? That these are doctrines that are not just for information, but as we said last week, but it's for what? Transformation. Like we could know of all the hermeneutics process of studying the word of God, but at the end of the day, may what we learn informationally be what happens to transform our hearts from the inner side. And I get it, guys. Life would slap you in the face, punch you in the na'al, and the last thing you want to listen to is more information. Can I get a witness? One of the hardest things of being a character coach at the high school is that they just had seven classes all week, right? And so how do you motivate that? I want to be very clear that we don't motivate by emotion, right? Ethos. We don't motivate. We motivate simply by the scriptures, the word of God. We hold a high standard of God's word. Now, that doesn't mean everybody understands it completely. We believe in the doctrine of sanctification, that God, when he rescues us for salvation, he He justifies us. He regenerates us. There is a sanctification process that takes place from the moment of conversion to the day we are glorified in the glory of Christ. Can I get a witness there? Okay. So everything is a process. All of us, like don't trip. He ain't done with you yet. All right. That's the reality. Every one of us are sinners uh, in of ourselves in need of God's grace. And we learn through Romans that though we are sinners in ourselves, right, we're still justified in Christ by faith. Now, I don't comprehend that all too well. I just know it works as I believe in Christ and in his finished work. So what we're going to talk about today is the confession of what we know. We could literally say this of who we know as well. But a wise man once said, people don't care about how much you know. People want to know that you care. And this is lived out through the person and lordship of Jesus. Jesus breathes out this living uh, a gospel life through the gospel of Mark. And as we look at our text today, it's very clear. The gospel, I'll say it again, is about Jesus. That's the theme of Mark. And so as you stand with me in the reading of God's word, it's on the screen if you don't have it. I want to just look at three short verses. And I want us to see how God exposes these texts, right? And and exegetes in this mindset. Verse 31 says, and he began to teach them that the son of man must what? Suffer. Suffer, right? That's a different word for Christianity today, right? Son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders 
and chief priests and the scribes and be what? Killed. Killed. I wonder if that's being preached today, right? And after three days rise again, and he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to what? Rebuke him, right? Right on, Peter. Verse 33. But turning and seeing his disciples. You ready, Peter? He said, look, look. He rebuked Peter and said, get behind me. Say that big ass word, Satan. Right on, Jesus. For you're not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. God, we come to you. Holy Spirit of God. We pray more than just information. We pray for transformation and that we would be conformed to the gospel. God, we pray for a clear message today. Even with, with the things that are not said, Lord, would you make it clear? Would you make it said, right? Lord, we are, we are fallible people reading your infallible word today. Um, we, we need your spirit. We need your grace. We need your mercy. We need your love. We need a proper framework of the gospel today. Not that you just cherish us and you love us, but it starts with sin. So God, would you rebuke the heaven in our hearts today? That we may hear from you. Father, faith comes by hearing. Hearing through your word. God's Johanna says, Amen. You may be seated. And a lot of tragedy has been going on in the islands, right? Last Sunday, while up on the stage, we find out there is a homicide going on. A murder of two cops in the Diamond Head area. Um, it was very hard for me and Lane because we realized one of those ladies that we were in contact with the day of the 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 um, state championship. Uh, she her sector was the hotel that we're in, and I mean, small little petite woman, and she she handled all these people with with hakaka and heva, and and when I saw her face on top of the TV, it just broke my heart because um, here's a reality for us all, man. Right, the world is not gonna get any better, guys. All right, it's not gonna get better. The word promises us that um, it's gonna we're gonna have more false teachers here in Hawaii. And I pray that is not anybody here, especially me. I want to. I want. I hope that we have a right hermeneutical process and understanding of the gospel, and that it's just not big words that we say for information, but it's words of, of transformation. And I want to be very clear. Here's a clear word. We talk about gospel, uh, gospel centered, being gospel centered. Yeah, we get. I get that. We talk about gospel focus. I get that. But are we gospel urgent this morning? Are we gospel urgent knowing that our lives and lives of people that we're connected with is not promised to them tomorrow? Are we urgent about the gospel? Are we more urgent about what God has to say about the gospel than any other topical thing that we deal with in this life, right? I, I can know where your heart is based on how you post on social media. I can know what you invest your energies in. May, may what we invest our time, energy, and resources in is in the gospel of Jesus Christ. We see a simple, simple uh, uh, process and progress of Jesus' life in our text today. We see Jesus moving in his earthly ministry. In fact, it says that Jesus continues a private conversation that he had with his disciples about who the world was saying he was or the communities and who was they saying there was. And we notice that Peter said the greatest answer, you are the Christ. But, but Peter reveals his real nature in these verses. 
Peter went from answering God theologically correct, right? That Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one. And there is a shift in Peter's heart where now he's rebuking the Savior of the world. Like first off, that bugger had some big cojones, right? To rebuke the Lord of the universe, right? Like Hawaiian, you just called him the Christ. You just called him the anointed one. You just called him the Messiah. And in your high makamaka estate, you're calling him out. Heavenly. Sinful, Peter, right? I mean, please don't look at Peter as the model for Christianity right now. Right? Please, please look at him as what he really is. One who is in need of Jesus. And what makes it porno for us today is that we are like Peter. We are in need of Jesus. And so we see really two things and there will be a pahana. A few things actually. And there will be pahana. Number one, we see the gospel connects us with the sacrifice of Christ. Right? Two truths today. Of our confession of what we know or who we know. And it's the gospel connects us with the sacrifice of Christ. In a day and age when there is false teachers and the gospel prosperity all over the world, all right? This part of the sacrifice of Christ is known as just because God loves you. You go to camps, you go to conferences, you go to a church that preaches... uh, a gospel not contrary to Jesus. This sacrifice basically means to them that Jesus died for you simply because he absolutely loved you. There is something in you that was beautiful and pretty and God loves you. Aole. Negative. Nothing in us is desirable to God. We are sinful beings like Peter in need of transformation. We need God to do what only God can do through his precious son. Because in and of ourselves, we could never free ourselves from the damnation and transgression of sin today. That is the true gospel of Jesus Christ. God is more than love. God is just. God is wrathful. Today, God will still be just if he changed redemption plan and sent all of us to hell today. But there is a framework of the gospel that exudes that God restores and redeems people like Peter. Now, before we go any further, I am talking about people like you. People like me. Look at the gospel of Mark. Verse 31 of chapter 8, it says, And Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. In Jesus' earthly ministry, a big word that stands out to me is the word teaching. All right, This is why I'm a coach today. I'm a coach today because I am passionate about the teachings of Jesus. Now, if you're around me at, 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 for the football team and character classes, you will know that I'm very um, gospel urgent. 
I'm not going to just teach topics for the sake of making them better men or women, but I'm going to share the gospel. And what Jesus does, Jesus continues his teaching ministry with his disciples in this conversation. His conversation but takes a shift because brother Peter thinks he all that. Right? This time uh, he speaks about his death and clear details. Here's some details of Christ's death. Look at it. Number one, it says that he would be rejected by three religious groups. Who are those groups? Number one, the elders. Who are the elders? The Pharisees, the Sadducees. Who are the chief priests? A higher sect of Sadducees and Pharisees. And then lastly, the scribes. Who are the scribes? They are the historians. They write down everything that's going on. This is the religious group that Christ will experience the foundation of his death to come. Number two, Jesus makes it very clear, guys. He will be killed. Could you imagine the disciples? Huh? What? No, not Jesus. Not Jesus, right? Peter. Look, and this is what I would say. Peter is probably one of the most uh, OGs and out of the group, right? Because I'm pretty sure Andrew, the brother of Peter, John, and James was hanging out with Jesus at that very moment. And they said nothing. We don't get no account of that. But what gives us joy is that Jesus says at the end of the text, though this death will take place, this sacrifice will take place, he will rise on the third day. Can I get a witness in there? Right? Like, like all Peter was thinking about is what people would do to his Savior. He wasn't seeing the big picture. Don't you become very uh, pharisaical sometimes? As Christians on social media, when you see one of your church members post something that is totally ungodly and not theological, the first thing you want to do is back up Jesus, right? And tell him, I got this, Lord. Right? And some of you, if you're like me, you're bad with your grandma, so you may as well not tell him back what's going on, bro. The way you talk in pigeon is the way you type, right? All right, the joke is you don't even cuss properly, right? There's no ER at the end. There's an AH, you know what I'm saying? That's a problem, right, right? I want We take things into our own hands that makes us not gospel urgent, but man urgent. Man-centered, not Christ-centered. And why is this important for us today? Because this is the whole reason why Jesus was sent to earth. Hear me out, guys. Jesus was not just sent to make you feel better about yourself. To just physically heal you. That's not the whole reason why Jesus came. Jesus came to make the, God, the Father's glory known through his sacrifice. That is why Jesus came. So, so here's a big theological term for us, all right? Don't be scared by it, all right? It's called penal substitutionary atonement, all right? Penal substitutionary atonement. And I'm going to break that down, right, in three I want you to understand in this truth why the gospel connects us with the sacrifice of Christ in this text, specifically with this doctrine. All right, number one, penal. It means penalty. There is a penalty that must be taking place for your sin today, for our sin today. The Old Testament tells us that if you broke God's law and sin, you will die. I mean, let's look at some of these verses, right, in the Old Testament. Exodus 21 says, whoever strikes a man so that he dies shall be put to death. This is some hardcore rules. We have some ex-murderers in our church today. I'm just going to let you know that. This would make them be killed today if they were by the Mosaic law. Are you with me? All right. 
Exodus 21:50 says, whoever strikes his father or his mother shall be what? Put to death. So I should be dead right now. Just letting you know. I wasn't always called Huzik before. All right. This was me constantly. This was me. Ulu was in between a couple of those scraps, right? Like, 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 this is, this is what law, our law got soft today. Can I get a witness, right? But no, we, we, we baby our children. Look how strict the law was. In Deuteronomy 21, it says that a rebellious child must be stoned to death by the elders. What a gruesome death. Deuteronomy 22 says this. If a man is found lying with the wife of another man, both of them shall die. The man who lay with the woman and the woman. So you shall purge the evil from Israel. Listen to me. Right? Jesus, the sinless Lamb of God, right? Takes on this penalty for humanity. Like this is what makes the gospel rich and delicious and ono and humbling, right? That God would do that for a sinner like me, like you. Secondly, substitution. This means simply that Jesus took our place. He was our substitute. Meaning that Jesus endured what we should have endured, but we know we cannot endure this penalty. Jesus suffered what we should have suffered, right? But he is our perfect substitute. Amen? Here's the last word. Atonement. It means to cover or to make payment of. Our sins separate us from a holy God. And the atonement of Jesus reconciles man back to God. Now, I want you to hear very clear. I know we've been picking on this, uh, this religious group, but we have to. The, the Catholic Church was a great gospel-centered movement when they first started. Then, like any man-made movement who focuses on man, begins to twist doctrine. So Catholics, even today, the, the, the heritage of Catholic doctrine and teaching, teaching that we're not justified by Christ alone, but we're actually justified by the church. But to say that we're justified by the church is to take some of God's authority away from him and give it to man. So what they're saying is that being justified by faith is one thing, but in addition to being justified by faith, you also need to be justified by your works. So what they, and they say because the church is the authority of what they believe, right? What happens is that man, and I see it in our men today, in this church specifically, every time they get down on this, oh, poor me, poor that, because they have a bad doctrine, they have a bad understanding of the true gospel. Listen to me, the whole purpose for penal substitutionary atonement is that you cannot free yourself from your sin. There's only one man, one person who can free you from your opala, and that's the God man, Jesus. We're justified not by what you do, but what Christ has done. Faith in and of itself is our gift from God to allow us to trust God. It's not a gift given to ourselves in our own ability. Faith is a gift given by God himself to allow us to trust in the penal substitutionary atonement of Jesus. Thank you. God, glory to God. That's the reality. Look what Isaiah says. Isaiah says this. But he was pierced for our transgressions. You guys remember this verse, right? He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace 
was what? On Jesus. And by his wounds, we are what? Healed. Now, this is not a prosperity gospel of wealth and health. This is a gospel of your soul, of your spirit. We all, look at what the verse says, like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord, God, Jehovah, he has laid on him the iniquity of all of us. Can I get a glory up in this room? Like that's what makes gospel so much honor. Because this represents the resurrection that would come in his atonement. This gives us hope today in our verse today. The prophecy Jesus makes it about his death. He says, and after three days he will rise again. Without the resurrection, God's promises would be incomplete, saints. Right? Like, like, now there are those preachers, hellfire, brimstone, no resurrection, right? I get that, right? Like, because, I mean, we live in a day and age where we want to address every issue in this world. And there's really one issue. Say it with me. Sin. Don't overemphasize and make the gospel unclear. The gospel is very clear. There is, we are sinful beings in need of saving. So here's like three things we need to see in the resurrection. Here's three things. Number one, it showcases God's power in death. Right? So what a, what a God, right? To give up his only son, number one, right? For his son to obey him, number two, right? And for his son to live a perfect life. Like, the death, the, you guys got to look at the ministry and the life of Jesus. It wasn't just the death that atoned for your sins. It's also the perfect life of Jesus. He was sinless, right? Look at what Josephus, a historian scholar, said about Jesus. Now, this guy is believed to be an Orthodox Jew. He never confessed uh, uh, completely in his lifestyle that Jesus was the true Messiah. But he had questions, and you're going to see his, his struggle in these words. Josephus says this, About this time there lived Jesus, a wise man, if indeed one ought to call him a wise man. For he was one who performed surprising deeds and was a teacher of such people as accept the truth gladly. He won over many Jews and many of the Greeks. He was the what? Messiah. This is a secular writer, a non-believer saying this. And when upon the accusation of the principal men among came upon him, Pilate had condemned him to the cross. Those who had first come to love him did not cease. He appeared to them spending a third day restored to life, for the prophets of God had foretold these things, and a thousand other marveled about him. And the tribe of the Christians, so called after him, has still to this day not disappeared. That's you. This is a broader Writing around the same time of Jesus. Don't don't believe that he's the Messiah, right? I know you so, but it says in the text, well, you gotta understand the whole life of Josephus to see that, to see the articulation of that. But what we do see is that when the world right agrees with God, you can only see one thing in this resurrection. It showcases God's power in death. Number two, it solidifies our eternity in Christ. Not by what we've done, but, but the penal substitutionary atonement of Christ. Number three, it shines God's glory among the earth. I hope you're teachable today. 
I hope you don't just come here just to hear and do nothing with it. I hope that with what you hear transforms your heart, transforms your mind. Uh, and here's the deal. You have nothing in yourself to make that happen apart from Jesus. Right? Even if you're trying to take all these notes down and all this, apart from God's spirit wooing you by the word of God and convicting you and you repenting, right? No matter what you do, it is a response to what Christ has already responded on the cross through his death, burial, and resurrection. You are always second, right? We always are responders of God's initiation. So the gospel points us to the sacrifice of Christ. But lastly, the gospel corrects us on the sacrifice of Christ. I made a comment a few weeks ago, and I'll just remind you guys, there's a church, a mega church in California, who had like several day worship service um, for their worship pastor, whose little four-year-old girl died, and they tried to worship so hard, believing in Isaiah, that we just read, right? Believing, they quoted these scriptures, and for days upon days upon days, their hopes was that their child, if they just worship God hard enough, that their child would come back from the dead, right? Number one, let you hear me very clear when I say this. Do I believe God can heal, can raise people from the dead? Amen. Hallelujah. But God does not submit to our commands. He's not an on-demand kind of God like how we play TV. Uh, and, uh, you know, and listen to me. Listen to the big picture of this, right? If God's grace was upon that girl, if God's grace is upon anybody that dies, right? Why would we want them to come back? All they will come back to is what we're experiencing today. And so what we see in our text is that the gospel corrects us on the sacrifice of Christ. Look at Mark... Um, 8, 32, 33. Look at how God corrects Peter, right? 32, and he said this plainly. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But turning and seeing his disciples, he rebuked Peter and said, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but on the things of man. Well, let's look at Peter. Let's pick on him a little bit, right? Since all you guys are perfect in this room, right? Right? Oh, zealous Peter, Right? Uh, you got to think about this. The same individual who just a few verses prior to answering Jesus correctly in saying that he's the Christ shows that he falls short of God's glory in this text. Secondly, we see Peter rebukes the Savior of the world. Thirdly, we see, and right in front of all the disciples, Jesus then makes, let's just say locally how we say in the local mentality, A out of Peter, right? Right? Oh, you like talk to me, right? And Could you imagine... Right? And we see this before, and we're going to see this more in Mark chapter 10 and all that. Like, the disciples were critical about each other. Like, some, you'll see in chapter 10 where some of the disciples says, You are an idiot to even ask that about Jesus. But to see Peter tell this about Jesus, come on, man. Right? Right? Look at the scene. To be called out by God in front of your friends. That's the only way I grow up. You call me out. It's about to go down a line. I promise you that right now. Right? I know we left, but you all know what I'm talking about. We wasn't always Jesus follows wine eye people up in there, right? 
matter where you're from, right? It's just a mentality because that's sin, right? Sin, we everybody tough when we sinful, right? Everybody can scrap, right? Right? And the reality is, God puts Peter in a correct theological mind, mindset right now. Right? Look at this. There's two ways Jesus confronts Peter. Number one, Jesus rebukes the evil influencer in Peter. How is this possible that Peter went from mountaintop experience in verse 29 to valley low reality in this verse, right? Jesus answers this question at the end of verse 33. The issue is that he was influenced by Satan. Some of you guys get mad at your kids. And you'd be like, why is this kid not listening? Why is he hiding? Maybe that's in your marriage, right? Why the wife? Why the whatever the case is? Because there is an instigator. And he's not your cow on the stage trying to instigate things right now on your lap, right? His name is Satan. Look at the names of Satan and how he's described in all through the scripture. The Bible talks a lot about this adversary. It says that he's the accuser of our brethren. He is the adversary. He's the angel of light. He's the angel of the bottomless pit. He's the antichrist. He's the crooked serpent. He's the dragon. He's the enemy. He's the father of what? Lies. Some translation is all lies. He's the God of this world. He's the Leviathan, the dinosaur in Job. He's the liar. He is Lucifer. He is a lying spirit. He's a murderer. He's a piercing spirit, serpent. Right? We know that from the garden. He's the prince of the devils. He's the prince of the power of the air. He's the prince of this world. He's the roaring lion. He's ruler of this world. He's the son of the morning. He's the spirit who now works in the sons of disobedience. Right? He's the tempter. 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 Everybody that get angry issues in there. It comes from Satan. Right? It goes on. He had, he's the unclean spirit. He is the wicked one. Let's go further culturally. You ready? He is Pele. He is cool. He is Lono. He is Hiyaka. He is Kanavaloa. He is uh, Kamapua'a. He, I'm telling you, he is the night marchers. He is the Obake Files book, Hawaiians. Can I get more contextual with you? Right? He is you. He is Peter. Peter in you. Oh, but he just have a mental issue. Let me tell you something. Mental issues is far deeper than mental issues. It's demonic. How do we know that? Read Daniel. Read about Nebuchadnezzar. And how he spent years in the wilderness because of his mentalness. God gave him over to Satan. Right? The church's incompetencies in the membership of this church has to do with spiritual warfare. Your issue is not your marriage, though there is looking like your marriage. Your issue is not your kids. Your issue is not the person next to you. Your issue is not your finances. There is an adversary. And he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, God is redeeming humanity back to himself. The enemy is doing the opposite of that mission. He has a mission trip every day. Even right here, right now, he's probably attacking you because you don't want to listen to truth. What you want to listen to is what's going on after an hour after Kao Pao preach. I got in my fix and all that. That's what the enemy is doing right now. And if you're catching feelings, praise God. May he rebuke you. Like Jesus rebuked Peter. May you set your minds on the things that are above. Look, set your mind, Peter, on the things of, a, of God, but on the things of man. Listen to me. Apart from speaking truth to one another, we cannot set our minds on the things above. 
That is why we're hard and critical in our preaching style. People realize that there is an adversary and he comes not to just seek, but to still kill and destroy. That's his job. Look, this should challenge every one of us here today. We are to be gospel urgent today. Peter had a deep-rooted love for Jesus. However, it was deceived by the devil. The same man who acknowledged Jesus as the Christ would be the same man who would reject Jesus as the Christ by rebuking him of what Jesus said about his sacrifice to come. This rejection was the first rejection before three rejections that happened on the day of Jesus' crucifixion. We focus so much on the three rejections that Peter does on the day of Christ's sacrifice, but we forget right now Peter is rejecting Christ through his rebuke. Peter was man-centered. And you can point the finger right to the man in the mirror. We are man-centered. All of us. Don't just put all the blame on Peter. We are or is whatever is proper. Peter. Every one of us. We are in need of Christ. Look at this biblical truth. When Jesus took the cross and was buried and conquered death by resurrecting the third day, that also meant Jesus conquered Satan for those who belong to him. I want you to hear that. When Jesus died on the cross, right, he killed Satan in the grave. He made known to us what Isaiah said. Right about the gospel that would transform us from the inside out. Right, so we must remain gospel urgent. Suffering is part of God's way of revealing biblical love to the world. The Apostle Paul, like Jesus, exhausts this reality. Romans three, I mean Romans five, says this on the screen: Through Him, through who? Jesus, we have also obtained access by faith into the grace in which we stand, and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our what? Suffering. Say it again. Suffering. I know some of you have all kinds of suffering, but you are you rejoicing? Look at this. We don't rejoice just the axis of faith, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to what? Shame, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. This is a true, this is true for all followers of Jesus, right? That because of Jesus, death for us is a means to life with Christ in eternity forever. The beauty of the gospel is always to shine light into the darkness. It makes our sins visible. It makes our redemption clear. It makes the gospel pure. Why? Because that's points to Jesus. The gospel corrects us on the sacrifices of Christ because in it of ourselves, the gospel is always about God. Right? Like, like you can't get better than that. I mean, that's kind of cool as answer to every answer for Bible study, yeah? What are we talking about? Jesus! Right? Like, we blame them. No, you got to go deeper than that. How can you not? How can you go? That is deep, Right? I know they're fooling around. What did we talk about? We're going to talk about it right now, right? At lunchtime. Everybody's going to eat sandwiches after this. I'm going to ask my kids, what did Auntie Chavi teach you today? Jesus! Right? What did you learn about today? Jesus! Who is the character? Jesus! Right? If that's the depth that they have, praise God, let's start there. Amen. Amen. They could have said Tim Tebow for all I care. You know what I'm saying? 
Have a, no, they shouldn't, right? And I was going to have to check out the teacher if that's the case, right? Uh, but that's the reality. The gospel is and will always be about God. So how should we respond to today's text? I'm going to ask just Brian Yee to come up. Here's two ways I want us to respond. Number one, we must rest in humble adoration before Christ. What do I mean by that? Every one of us needs to be broken. Right? Like a horse, a wild, a feral horse that needs to be broken. That doesn't exclude us. We got to be broken. And sometimes God will do whatever necessary to break us. Sometimes he'll take our little children away from us. Physically. Sometimes he'll take our spouses from us. Sometimes he'll, he'll do whatever's necessary to engage your heart and mind on his son. Because I'll, be, I'll promise you, there's something in every one of us in our na'au and pu'uvai that does not look nothing like Jesus. Even as followers of Christ, redeemed, sanctified, blood-bought, whatever term you use, depending on the generation you live from, right? We, we are in need of salvation. This is why I preach hard on the gathering of church. A true believer in Jesus will gather with other believers. How do I know that? Because God died for his church. His bride. And this was why we must stand strong on a faithful ecclesiology understanding of the church. Every born again believer belongs in a local body of believers. That's biblical. came this morning just heavy hearted and um, I didn't even know why I was heavy hearted but I was emotional and uh, I'm, a, I'm an emotional wreck I'll promise you guys that i just emotional I know you guys see me oh he's so harsh with his words he's tough and you see my oh he's such a hard football coach and I, I'm an emotional wreck you know like wrecking Ralph everybody out there like I feel like I'm wrecking myself every day you know and so it came early and while everybody was setting up I was just spending time in the car listening to a, a hero of the faith of mine that I love listening to every Sunday just to edify my soul to be ready to shepherd God's people this morning. And, um, I don't know if you guys ever walked this campus, but all I, all, I, all I felt was, man, I just need to get out of the car, walk, have, continue to pray and talk to God. I found myself all the way down, not all the way down, it's not far, but for me, a big boy, all the way down there on the bleachers by the soccer field. And there's a pretty walkway. You just can walk it around and just walk the field and I was over there. And then God brought back to my remembrance of this reading Dave and I was reading last night. And uh, Martin Luther says, right, he says this, that it brought so much joy to my heart. And I hope it brings joy to your heart today. He says that the, he says that the only merit that would justify man is the merit of Jesus Christ. Say that again. The only merit that would justify man 
will be the merit of Jesus Christ. I pray when I leave, you have a clear understanding of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That it's not what you do for God, but it's God reaching down to you through his precious Holy Son, right? What he did for you on the cross, what he did for you in his burial, what he did for you in his resurrection, what he did for you in his perfect life, and what he did for you in coming 40 days after his resurrection, hanging out with us, spending time with us, talking about the kingdom of God, and after 40 days, ascending up into heaven and then promising that he will come back someday. Right? So, so we're, we're living in that comeback someday moment. Right? So what, where do we go from here, right? The truth is still the same. We must rest in humble adoration before Christ. We're going to just sing a couple words, okay? And I pray God would break you and humble you right now. Secondly, we must celebrate and honor Christ because of his goodness. We must celebrate and honor Christ because of his goodness. By God's grace and because of the gospel, this is a reality for us. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God.